Well, thank you. I appreciate that. And it's great to be at the family church. And um, to be here in such a wonderful season of the year. Um, you know, Christmas can be a very a trying time for some people, very stressful time. They've had loved ones that have died, you know, close to the Christian, uh, Christmas season. It can be a heart-wrenching time, melancholy, what have you. But um, always we have what that song said, the name of Jesus. What a powerful name it is. And we can invoke the name of Jesus and realize that our hopes and our dreams are fulfilled in him. So, praise the Lord. Adam has asked me to speak on hope. I guess you're doing a series on, on joy, hope, love, and, and yeah, cookies? Okay. Well, I didn't get that one, but I know who makes them, so we'll get them. So, my, uh, my assignment is hope, and I've called this um, hope a destiny upgrade, a destiny upgrade. Today we're going to talk about hope. The world experienced a major destiny upgrade when Jesus appeared on the scene. Now I want you to think with me as I read these words from Luke's gospel. Um, just try to imagine, you know, what it was like 2,000 years ago, Mary living in Nazareth, a little backwater town on the back side of the world, dusty little place of nowhere. And um, she, and uh, you know, she is Jewish. She's from a long line. So was Joseph. And uh, probably observant. And so they knew the record. And um, the prophetic uh, sayings. By the way, there were God hadn't spoken for 400 years, so this was really you know quite something. And here, this angel comes to her. I gotta take this off so I can read it. Um, and it says the angel went to her and said, "Greetings, you are highly favored. The Lord is with you, Adam." If an angel ever comes to you and says that, you better, you better know you're in trouble, dude. Mary was greatly troubled at these words and wondered what kind of a greeting was this. This is Luke chapter 1, uh, verse 28 and following. And she wondered what kind of greeting this was, but the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. You will be with child and you will give birth to a son. And you are to give him the name Jesus. And he will be great. And he'll be called the Son of the Most High. Wow. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom will never end. You know, I don't know about Mary, but... Uh, those words would, I mean, if you're Jewish, his kingdom will never end. This is what's coming. You're going to give birth to something like this. And, and um, 
so we're talking about hope. You talk about hope. You know man cannot live without hope. We can live without a lot of things, but if down here on this terra firma, if this is all there is, <laughs> Scotty, beam me up, man. That just you, you got to have some hope because it's just not happening down here. And um, you know, the Bible says in Proverbs 13, 12, hope deferred makes the heart grow sick. Uh, but <clears throat> a dream or a reality lived as a tree of life. And so that's what, Mar that's what was brought to Mary. And so we want to look forward today. We look forward. To, Christmas is interesting. Uh, we've got some slides we're going to put up. And we look forward to Christmas. When we look forward to Christmas, we're really looking forward to something that happened in the past. We're looking forward. You got, you've got a... You've got to look in the past to look forward. It's kind of strange. Think about it. Because, we can do that because history is linear. Everybody say linear. Have you ever been in a class with a history professor and he draws a line on the board, a straight line, and he starts marking, you know, things on that line. You can, you can tag things on that line. And uh, you can go way back and you can go to the present can't go any farther until that's fulfilled in history. Well, that's what it was about. And, of course, the Hebrews, those that wrote the Bible, understood that history was linear so we could track those things. Not only that, all of those events are leading toward something. They're not just random events. They're leading up to a dynamic conclusion. I got another message on that that, that um, God's been downloading to me, it's awesome, about the second coming. And I want to tell you, friends, we don't have time to go into that today, but I'll just say one thing. It's closer than you think. So, like this, now Israel was, was unique in the ancient world because in the ancient world, they, they worshipped all kinds of gods. They called it a pantheon. Pan, meaning many, and theos, meaning God. They worshipped many gods. And these gods were usually attached to aspects of nature, like the sky, the earth, the sun, the moon, the stars, wind, fertility, sea, grain, death. And so the movement was was cyclical rather than linear because nature was cyclical. You know, you have the moon in your different phases. You've got the little sliver, and then you've got the quarter, and then you've got the half moon, and then you've got the three-quarter moon, and then you've got the full moon. You know, it takes about 30 days to go through all this. Um, and so, um, you know, the seasons uh, repeat themselves. The sun rises, the sun sets. This endless repeating pattern of these movements dictate how they interpreted their world. And they gave significance to these things, and they actually gave names to them, like little g, God names, and they incorporated this into their, their religious understanding. It became their religion. Not so with Israel. 
Israel was different. Israel was an island in the midst of an ocean. Israel had a monotheistic faith. I know Adam doesn't like me to use all these, these big words, but, you know, he needs to bump it up here a little bit. So it's <laughs> monotheistic, one, one God. Amen? It's not that hard to understand. 800 years before Jesus, Isaiah said, we have this on the screen, Isaiah 44, 6 says, I am the first and the last. Besides me, there is no God. That's 2,800, almost 3,000 years ago. There was a group in the world that said, no, there's one God, and we're worshiping that one God. Isaiah 45, 5, I am the Lord, and there is no other. Besides me, there is no God. Isaiah 45, 22, turn to me and be saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God, and there is no other. Wow. And so this faith anchored Israel all through that timeline, all through that linear line, up until the time of Mary and the birth of Jesus. And now we look back, and still we can have hope because we know that there's only one God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Their God was, Israel's God was outside of nature, was above nature and was able to move nature at his pleasure. So this God acts in history, therefore history is linear. Teachers draw a line, like I said, and um, we can track it on the line. And so I said, voila, history is linear. History is his story. Isn't that wonderful? That we, we can be privileged to be a part this church is a part of the movement forward. This church is a part of his story. Your life is a part of his story. So I want to encourage you in this today and in the hope that is Jesus. Now, there are three words I feel like um, the Lord has given me that uh, we can concentrate on today as we're in the shadow of Christmas. And I want to share those with you. And the first, and they all start with I. The first one is imagination. Imagination. The concept of imagination is used both in the negative and in the positive in Scripture. But imagination is a wonderful gift. Those of you who have had children and those of you who are having children um, can see when they grow up a little bit, they start playing and they have imaginary figures. I mean, all our kids had imaginary figures. And, and um, um, you, my son Daniel back here, he had an imaginary, he had an imaginary friend one time. And, and <laughs> Linda and I asked him, I said, well, what's your friend's name? And he says, Karazani. And uh, I looked at Linda, and she looked at me, and I said, should we get a shrink? <laughs> no, no, he's okay. He's all right. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's a normal thing. And so, on the positive side, the word imagination signifies some process of mental planning, which is intended to result in some action or some deed. Our daughter, 
Our daughter Noelle used to, in the parsonage right across the street, she'd lock herself in her room for hours, and she'd have a whiteboard, and she was teaching imaginary students. Well, today she's a teacher over in Beaver Creek next to Dayton, teaching sixth grade science. And, um, you know, her brother thought she was crazy, and she was the one that needed the shrink. But in First Chronicles 28.9, Solomon is encouraged to submit the wonderful gift of his brain to the Lord because it is the center of formation, planning, and ideas, and organization. And if it's not brought, listen to this, the scripture knows this, if it's not brought under the canopy, under the canopy of his Lord, and his glory, it runs the risk of straying into undesirable places. This is why the Apostle Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, in verse 10, take every thought captive to obey Christ. You know, the more that we can study this book and read this book and, and internalize this book and memorize this book, then our mind becomes captivated by the thoughts of God because this is God's love letter. And you want to increase some hope in your life, get this word into you in a regular basis. A regular basis. It's a movement. And it will increase the hope in your life. Romans chapter 12 and verse 2, we've all heard this verse, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. So that, you know, when you have imaginative thoughts, and we will have imaginative thoughts, I mean, try reading the book of Revelation, the last book in the Bible, without using your imagination. You, you can't do it. I'm still waiting for that movie, Adam, to come out on Revelation, because with the technology we have today, it could really be, really be something. So at any rate, so bring it in. Reign in those stray thoughts to serve only the Lord God. This becomes part of a loving God and his creative power in our life. Otherwise, the scripture says in Luke 151 that Jesus has come to scatter the proud in the imagination of their hearts. So it can go the other way as well, as Paul says in, in uh, 2 Corinthians uh, 10, 5, that, you know, we're to, we're to reject vain imaginations and take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. So I mention this because I believe that the Lord was pregnant early on with an idea, with a concept, with an imagination, if you will, to rescue the human race from the plunder of Satan and the darkness which he brings. And we call that the word. John calls it in John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the word, the logos, the, the, the imagination the, of, of, of God. Rescue the human race. And the salvation of a mankind would cost him greatly but it had to happen. That word, that logos, that beginning, it, it means the expression, the word logos, John 1.1, 1, 1, in beginning was the word, the logos means the expression 
of the heart. It was what was in God's heart for the human race. It was the imagination of God to save this planet because it had taken a wrong turn and plundered down into, plunged down into darkness. And so I like the word imagination. It's really a big deal. I mean, Jesus, we find his words in Matthew 13, verses 16 through 17. He told them one, stopped them at one point and told them, he said, But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For assuredly, I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desired to see what you see and did not see it and desire to hear what you hear and did not hear it. Wow. You're living in an appointed day, Jesus said, an appointed time. And for hundreds of years they spoke about it, and they leaned into it, and they had hope for it. But you are the ones who are actually here when it's happening. Well, we need to look around our world and we need to understand, you know, what's happening and where God is in this happening world. Because now that Jesus has been here, we can hear. Hallelujah. Every day we have our devotions. We can see. We can lean into the purpose of God for our lives. My friends, that brings hope. By the way, the top-selling single Christian song ever is called I Can Only Imagine. Yeah, by mercy me. Awesome. Awesome movie, too. I encourage you to see that. And so imagination is really cool. Um, so that's the first word I feel like God gave me. The second word is incarnation. Incarnation. And uh, again, this is John chapter 1, verse 1. You know, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And he goes on to <clears throat> unpack that thought. This night that's coming, this Christmas Eve service, this night that we celebrate we really don't know when exactly Jesus was born but there's kind of a complicated formula I don't have to go into now that really does bring it um, close to where we're at here in December it's the greatest night the world has ever experienced as the song says it's the night of our dear Savior's birth amen so the incarnation is God's becoming man, and John's gospel says it beautifully in that, in that way that he unpacks it. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, full of grace and truth. Wow. And we beheld his glory, glory as of the Son from the Father. What a poetic, beautiful language in the first chapter of John. In Colossians, uh, chapter 2 and verse 9, Paul's, Paul's letter to the church at Colossae, he says, For in him the whole fullness of deity 
dwells bodily. I mean, these guys wanted to nail it down. They, they were not messing around. Now, and think of that. And you have come to, to fullness of life in him who is the head of all rule and all authority. Man, that is awesome. When you just think about that verse, how much has been disclosed for years, centuries, Ears have longed to hear, but have not heard. Eyes have longed to see, but have not seen. Now we behold his glory. They had to actually adjust their monotheism to accommodate the new kid on the block. I don't know if you ever thought about this. I had, I'm reading a book right now it's called One Lord and One God, and he's, he, it's just a study on this very thing, that the Jewish faith was monotheistic faith, but when Jesus came along, they worshipped him. And so, you know, how do you, there was no longer, I mean, it wasn't, we know now later, because three or four centuries later, they gave it a name, it was called the Trinity. But when this happened, they didn't have that concept. And yet, they worshipped Jesus, and they accommodated Jesus, and still thought of themselves as Orthodox Jews. Hello, have you ever thought about that? It's interesting. It's an interesting thought. And so Jesus comes into the picture, and now uh, we have a fuller um, revelation of that. <clears throat> as, one, as this author says, and I'm reading, all evidence indicates, however, that those Jewish Christians who made such a step remain convinced that they were truly serving the God of the Old Testament. Wow. And then, of course, we see at Pentecost, 50 days after the resurrection, the Holy Spirit is poured out, which is God again, whom we have with us now, as Oral Roberts used to say, Holy Spirit is Jesus in the now. And so, you know, about 350 years later, they the church fathers came up with a concept called the Trinity. Listen to the message of Eugene Peterson in the message on this, on this Colossians verse that I just quoted. He says, everything of God gets expressed in him, in, him, in Jesus. So you can see and hear him clearly. <clears throat> you don't need a telescope or a microscope or a horoscope to realize the fullness of Christ and the emptiness of the universe without him. When you come to him, that fullness comes together for you too, and his power extends over everything. Man, this crushing new revelation of Jesus changed everything, changed everything. Wow, well, we know God doesn't work haphazardly, but with a purpose, and literally through history. And it's all funneling down. It's funneling down, and all the major components, the 12 major components, the Bible says, that will be present in the latter days, in the end of days, those things are upon the earth right now. And um, so at any rate... Uh, 
You're just going to have to have me back, Adam, because I just can't go there right now. But it's, it's really good stuff. Praise the Lord. So we've got imagination, and then we've got incarnation, the fullness of Jesus. And the third one, the third word is inspiration. Inspiration. And I took a scripture from Job 32.8, but it is the spirit in a man, the breath of the Almighty, that makes him understand. And so, you know, it's this God infused into our soul, into our being, that allows us to understand, that causes our imagination to go in the right place, that causes our spirit to rejoice in the incarnation, the spirit of God, the spirit in a man that makes him understand. The breath of the Almighty. Jesus said the words in John 63, the words I have spoken to you are spirit and life. Wow. The words I've spoken to you are spirit. Firstly and foremostly, they're spirit and life. This is why Jesus is unique to all others. Wisdom does not come from age. It comes from God. And Jesus, as Paul says, is our wisdom, our righteousness, our sanctification, and our redemption. He's all in all. I don't know about you, but this is inspiring to me, Adam, and I've looked forward to sharing these concepts and this message with you guys this morning. We've been fashioned to receive all that God has to give us. I mean, we've, we've been formed and fashioned to receive it. This is not just going over our heads. He wants it in here, down deep. And when it gets in here, when it makes that 18-inch journey from head to heart, my friends, you will be changed forever. I can remember when I was changed forever in a little hotel room in Carlisle, Pennsylvania. And we flipped on the TV and we were married for three months traveling to New Jersey to visit my sister and brother-in-law. And Billy Graham was on the crusade. And we flipped him on. We were watching that. And the Spirit of God came, I don't know where it came from, out of the TV, uh, down through the walls. But (laughs) it got in there somehow. And it got in here somehow. And it changed my life like that. Man. And from then on, baby, it was rocket power. I was, I, was on, I was on the beam. I was ready to go with God, and I was on a journey with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I hope that somewhere along the line you've had that kind of experience because you deserve it. And if you've not, you can have it this morning because he's here. Amen. So he's our inspiration. We've been fashioned to receive him. My friends, Jesus is all that God has to give. Talk about inspiration. One commentary says, Without ceasing to be what it originally was, the Word took on human form. In John's first letter, he emphatically declares that a person who denies the incarnation cannot have God as his Father. So, I guess it's like just, you know, the whole Jewish group of people were waiting to receive this revelation. And even when it it came in a manner that they weren't thinking of, 
By the way, when God usually comes, many times it's not in a manner that we think. So, but it's okay, you know, because God finds a way. Hope means to desire with expectation of fulfillment. To desire with expectation of fulfillment. It's a fulfillment future-oriented. It looks it, it makes us look for a better day, a brighter hope, a fuller life. As I said, Proverbs 13, 12, hope deferred makes the heart grow sick, but the desire fulfilled is a tree of life. Hallelujah. Charles Swindoll has said, <clears throat> what the heart is to your physical body, I like this. This one's not on the screen, I don't think, but what the heart is to your physical body what oxygen is to your lungs, what morale is to a unit of fighting men, what spirit is to a ball team, hope is to the church. Wow. Remove it, and you have rendered the place of worship to a morgue with a steeple. I know some morgues with steeples. I'm sorry. Zechariah 9.12 says, when the, when the Jewish people were returning from captivity to rebuild the wall, it says, return to the stronghold, you prisoners of hope. Even today I declare that I will restore double to you. That's what we get when we follow God. We may go through rough times. We may be squeezed, but I'm telling you, when we come out the other end, it's good. It's good because God is there. There's no way around it. God is in the restoration business. So, because of Christmas, we can be inspired. Inspired to love those who are unlovely. It's one thing I like about this this church, Adam's always looking forward to how can we help someone else as a church? How can we reach out to a people group? How can we clothe people who don't have clothes? How can we feed people who are hungry? How can we, how can we always be doing, you know, outward? That's the heart of God. Inspired to reach out to someone else in the world. Inspired to give. And most importantly, inspired to become possession of God if we miss Jesus we miss the whole thing I was taking my walk at the mall the other day I walk at Eastland Mall because it's there's nobody there it's, it's <laughs> you know you don't have to fight the crowds bump into people you shoot a cannon down through there and not hit anybody but I saw a sign in the storefront church there in Eastland that said you don't if you don't have Christmas in your heart, you cannot find it under a tree. And I thought, wow, it's so true. If you don't have Christmas in your heart, you cannot find it under a tree. God looked down from heaven on that holy night and said, I'm not done yet. In fact, I'm just getting started. You ain't seen nothing yet. Linda and I have been listening to this song called Mary Did You Know. 
Wow, what a powerful song. I encourage all of you, you know, just go to iTunes. You don't even have to download it. You can still listen to it for free. Mary, did you know? Powerful, powerful lyrics. You know, there are times when the, uh, when the melody and the lyrics of a song come together. That's one of them. Really, Mary, did you know that your baby boy would rule the nations? Wow. Mary, did you know? I encourage you to listen to it. And may God bless you in this Christmas season. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Hope deferred makes the heart grow sick, but a desire fulfilled is a tree of life. Father God, we come to you today, and we just, uh, we give you our hearts, we give you our lives, we, we anchor ourselves to that one who is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. That one who was revealed to Mary so long ago on the backside of the world that changed everything. Lord, we, we thank you for hope. We thank you that for Jesus who is our hope and our peace and our joy. Hallelujah. And God, maybe in a special way this Christmas season, we could anchor ourselves in that truth and we could revel in the fact that God loved us so much that he found a way to find us. We praise you. We thank you. Now with our heads bowed, I just want to encourage any and all here today, if you've never received Jesus, the Savior of the world, the Son of God, into your heart, you can do that right now. You can become a new creation in Him. You can reach out in your spirit and say, Yes, yes, Lord, I believe this hope. I believe this Jesus. I believe this one was the anointed one, the, the appointed one, the one who came for me. And you can ask Him to come and rule today in your heart. Jesus' name. Amen. We have people to appear to love to pray with you to confirm that prayer today. Or if you have another need today, you can make your way forward as we sing closing song. And um, these, these wonderful people will pray for you. Keep in confidence things that you share. And uh, the Spirit of God will meet your need. Amen.